0: Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 739,
1: with Chef Isaac Toops. I don't feel unstoppable. I am fucking unstoppable.
0: Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become Unstoppable. Find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended restaurant POS system on restaurants unstoppable. If you're going to survive this upcoming recession, you have got to adapt and you can't just adapt. You have to adapt fast. With Toast's cloud-based restaurant POS, your system will update to evolve along with changing industry trends and guest expectations. To learn more, head over to toasttab.com unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, for a limited time, you will get one month free POS software, three months of free digital ordering tools, and 50% off implementation to ease the impact of COVID-19. This is a value of $1,000, but you've got to use our links. What up Unstoppables? You know, I'm going to say it. I have to say it can't put enough emphasis on how how important it is that you use our links when trying to connect with toast tab. That's really a huge support to the show. If you don't use the link to make your first contact with toast they'll assume you found out about toast through somebody else so um you know, if you've ever engaged with their platform, a bot, sent an email, done a demo, uh, that is where the lead is going to go. So make sure you head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable right now. It's the best deal out there. I'm telling you, I don't know anybody else who's going to give you up to $2,000 worth of incentives. That's up to $1,000 worth of incentives that Toast is going to offer one month free, three months of delete, uh, free deliveries in, um, three months of free delivery and online ordering and half off installation a value of up to a thousand dollars and then i'm going to match that and send you a check i'm going to split my commission with you uh, send you a check for a thousand dollars so use my links and thank you so much in advance shoot me an email eric at restaurant when you use that link we have such a great show for you today we got isaac toops out of new orleans one of my last interviews when i was out there about a month ago uh, some really great stuff came out of today's conversation The power of saying yes, using systems to compensate for scattered brains, being too dumb to be scared, working in a clean space and creating culture of a clean space, tips for transitioning into kitchen leadership, getting comfortable and patient with correcting your staff, what things not to do when opening and running a restaurant, knowing your vision will shift with time and being okay with that, advice on getting into business and communicating with your significant other diversifying your portfolio, the benefits of having a talent agent, tips on menu engineering, the most important set of systems in your restaurant. Hint, it's your recipe book being unapologetic about who you are choosing not to resent your restaurant, giving your team the tools they need to succeed, not settling on your location. It really does matter. Your location do not settle for just any new available space and why a smaller menu is something that is going to be permanent and not just a temporary reaction to COVID-19. So this episode is clearly packed with ton of greater advice. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is with excitement. Allow me to introduce to you today's guest. Isaac Toops, my man, Isaac, are you feeling unstoppable today? I don't
1: feel unstoppable. <laughs> I am fucking unstoppable. Yes,
0: that is what we like to hear. So only chef- way to go. <laughs> so Chef Isaac Toops represents the new guard of Cajun chefs known as his sophisticated approach to a cuisine that's best known for the deep rustic flavors. His culinary style is the direct result of his New Orleans fine dining experience coming up under uh, Emerald Lagasse's restaurants and growing up Cajun. Uh, born and raised in Rain, uh, Louisiana, the heart of Cajun country, uh, with over 300 years of New Orleans family roots, Isaac and Amanda opened Toups Meadery Restaurant in 2012. Five years later, you followed that with Toups Self. I cannot wait to get into your story to find out how you got to where you are today, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling
1: with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Uh, it's called Too Dumb to Be Scared. That's the company motto. Yeah. We we go full bore. We go straight into a project was sometimes reckless abandon. It normally works out for us, but we, we have incredible drive and we just we bow our heads and we know how to go. We know how to work. We know how to hump. But just get into it. Nothing, yeah, just get nothing into to it. it but to into do it. Into the fray. Right?
0: And I love to say, ignorance is bliss. It's a common saying and it's so true. I think if you put too much emphasis on, it's good to plan. It's good to have a strategy, but at the same time, if you overthink it, analysis by, or paralysis by analysis is another saying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but really, why does that resonate with you and how do you think that served you most up to this point in your life?
1: Uh, honestly, just working really hard Hard and always just having my foot forward has always really worked hard for me. Mm. It's, it's it's done really well for me. Like everything, like go in the situation and just go go ninety miles an hour and put all your work into it. Don't take days off. Put every resource you can. Say yes to everything yeah. unless somebody wants money. Mm-hmm. So every little publication that comes out, every radio program, every TV program, That's every little <laughs> big thing, I say yes to.
0: Well, thank you for saying yes today, man. I can't of course wait I say to, yes to everything. I can't wait to get into your story. So, uh, where does it make sense to start telling your story? I mean, I knew that you had barely any experience when you went to work for Emil Lagasse. But what, what, like, did you were you passionate about food before that? Like, when does it start?
1: Small background story. Okay. I'll, I'll keep it short, please. Uh, born and raised in Rain, Louisiana. Spent my first twenty years there. Uh, in Cajun country, and that's that's deep Cajun country. So just because you're from Louisiana doesn't mean you're Cajun. Sorry, it's actually only about 100 square miles okay. that is Cajun country in South Louisiana. There I said it, I'm Cajun. Uh, my family actually, on my father's side, predates the Cajuns. So we were, we were here for several decades before the Cajuns came over, and then my mother's side, they're the ones who brought all the Cajun influence w- with them. So that being said, my mother and father are Prairie Cajun and Coastal Cajun. My father being the Coastal Cajun and my mother being the Prairie Cajun. Not a lot of people know about that. So I grew up with this dichotomy of Cajun upbringing that I didn't even realize I was getting. Okay. I didn't realize that I was getting all this wonderful Cajun influence. I thought everybody went and shucked oysters that they, that they harvested wild. I thought everybody went fish, cleaned that fish, and their grandmother... Cook that fish. That doesn't happen, apparently. No. We, you know, not everybody roasts whole pigs. Not everybody has these big, giant crawfish boils. And not everybody peels 50 pounds of shrimp in a clip and freezes them. Right. So I, I got this culinary upbringing that I didn't know I was receiving, was very lucky to have. So even though everybody cooks in my family, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, everybody cooks and everybody, we just live to eat and it's part of our culture. But like my dad's a dentist. But my dad will, can go catch a fish in his backyard, clean it, and, and deep fry it in an hour. So, uh, that being said, I didn't start cu- cooking culinarily, cooking professionally, that is, until I was about 21. I was job popping after college because that shit didn't work out. And I uh, worked at uh, this little restaurant called Prejean's in Lafayette, Louisiana, and immediately, like almost instantaneously, fell in love with, like, aha, I found it. This is what I want to do for restaurants. What was it about the industry that you fell in love with? Um, just something about the cooking and the speed and the fact that, like, if you knew what you're doing, you could get. Immediately better. Yeah. And I like that about the industry. Even nowadays, I'm 20 years into it. And if you focus and you look, and I've got a Thai book right now that I'm l- looking after, you can keep getting better. The water is deep. There, there's so much there's water, The water is so deep. And at yeah. my experience level, yeah, I'm pretty good at my little microcosm in my, in my little corner over here. But there's so much more. And that really... Gets me up and going every day.
0: Yeah, you said college didn't work out for you, but you said you graduated, you're 21 years old, so you went, you, you completed your degree, I'm assuming. Oh, no, no, I'm a high school dropout.
1: Okay. Um. So <laughs> after get, uh, after dropping out of high school, I went and got my GED. Gotcha. And then I did, literally did the old college try, and I went for a semester, and I realized that, ah, this is why you didn't like high school, because you can't sit in the classroom, and <laughs> I still can't sit in the classroom. Yeah. I, could, I could be sitting in a, in a board meeting discussing a, a, a six figure deal and be out the window looking at the squirrel. So the, <laughs> I feel
0: that, man. But the you, thing, is it's a common, I've, I've, it's, I feel like so many people who are attracted to this industry who struggle in the traditional school system do so well.
1: Why do you think that is? What, what's going on? What, um, why is that a trend? Working for me has always been easier than classroom because it's, it's goal oriented. I have something to do at all times, yeah, so I just focus on that, and even though my mind wanders i 'm still back there, knife in hand moving, and yeah. i 'm thinking about star wars yeah <laughs> so I uh, 'm my, my, completely scatterbrained so I, but i 've worked out in a system i have I can walk in here and know I know exactly what 's going on everywhere, but still being completely scatterbrained, so i 've kind of kind of take take that that fault and turn it into a into right. a superpower.
0: I'm making a note to, to focus on how you use systems to, account, uh, to make up for your scatterbrain because I mm-hmm. think that's important because yeah. I think that's a lesson we can all learn. So systems. Um, so when you were how, 21, 22 years you said you only worked like a few months in the restaurant industry before approaching Emerald Legacy. Right. right. So what was going on through your head? Why, why were you moving out of La, You're at Lafayette at this point? It was, were, I was,
1: I was living in Lafayette okay. uh, behind my father's uh, d- uh, denture clinic uh, where I used to work <laughs> my first job. And uh, so I can actually make dentures now, side note. Um, but Amanda, my wife, she's from the North Shore of uh, New okay. Orleans, and she wanted to come back to New Orleans. She was a wild child, and, uh, and I said, you know what? I kind of want to get a small town, too. New Orleans, hey, I want to learn how to cook professionally. New Orleans made sense in, like, several formats. I wanted to leave town. She wanted to go back home. I want to learn how to cook. So New Orleans was just like, well, this is an easy decision. So we packed up and took our couple hundred dollars (laughs) and I found an apartment and I I walked into Emeralds del Monaco thinking it was Emeralds and it turns out that wasn't Emeralds that was Emeralds del Monaco and uh, the chef took a risk on me and hired me on the spot uh, and I was the fry cook
0: okay so this is like a real deal of restaurant though this isn't just any restaurant off the streets this is a well-respected restaurant right absolutely and this is I think another example of when what you don't know what was your opening quote say it one more time for
1: us too dumb to be scared. Too dumb to be scared,
0: right? right. And we've had people on the show who uh, went through the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, and got all of this experience, and they graduate and they, and they have like the restaurateur they want to go work for, and they literally have a panic attack before even knocking on the door because they've built this up in their head, right? And right. they end up do not going to work for their people because they're afraid but you never even had that opportunity to, to realize what op- where you were and what was happening in that moment.
1: No, no clue. I mean, yeah. I, knew, I, knew of, of, I knew of Emerald Lagasse and I knew yeah. of Commander's Palace, but that's it. Yeah. And, and I actually staged at Commander's Palace and I staged at Emerald's Delmonico. Anyway, you know, I, I talked to the, the chef's time. I didn't talk to uh, whoever the chef, the commander's was at the time. Was, um, the chef had just uh, passed, but I talked to, and it, obviously didn't talk to Emerald Lagasse. Yeah. I didn't even make a call. I, I literally walked into the restaurant and said, can I speak to the chef? I would like to have a job. Yeah, this is
0: two thousand two. So at this point, Emeril Lagasse is kind of a big deal. He, you know, he was a big
1: 2001, deal one, but 2000, two thousand one, two that. Yeah, at this point, he's replaced the height something. of his the height of yeah, his
0: career. Exactly, the height of his fucking career. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect to be like doing the interview with Emeril.
1: No, but
0: you still like, the the reason why these people get so successful is because they know how to surround themselves with with other amazing people, right? So the lessons you must have got working. What were some of your earliest lessons?
1: Oh, just uh, how to be consistent, how to use salt, how to uh, uh, using water and salt, proteins, just the little simple, how to be organized, mise en place. I mean, the lessons are there just continuously being beaten to your head. You only use three towels. Why We're, only three towels? Uh, linens are expensive. Yep. Yeah. And so that's, that's still the still, still rule here in my restaurants. Since linens are expensive, there's so many things that can crush a restaurant versus how many things make a restaurant successful. So these lessons have to be just hammered and drilled, working clean, sharpen your knife, uh, making sure... Your station stock, make sure you give a heads up. Make sure you communicate to the fry cook that you need the fried shrimp for your salad to go out because the chef is going to kill you.
0: Yeah. So reflecting back at this time, you said that they, they taught you consistency. They taught you um, organization. They taught you about knowing the value of certain things like linens, right? <sighs> but reflecting back, how did they teach you consistency? What In what ways do they teach you how to be consistent?
1: Taste your food. That's, prob- your food. that's probably the number one that was uh, – One of our chefs' mantras is like, taste your food. And to this day, taste your food is still one of the things that I say over and over again when somebody says, hey, I made this. And I go, did you taste it? And the answer better be yes. Before you hand it to me, before you sell it to a customer, did you taste it? If, If everyone would adhere to that one little rule everybody's food would be so much better.
0: Yeah. So is there a way to taste that we can share? I mean, because my taste might be different from your taste, but still it's relative to our own,
1: so it should be consistent, right? Uh, the taste in my restaurant should be my taste. It should okay. be salted to my palate. So okay. if you're unsure, you come bring it to me. So that's, that's another rule people think they can't bring something. No, bring, you can ask me the same question 50 million times in a row. I'm, I'm going to answer you because you asked me. Not asking me, getting something wrong. Will get you hammered Yes I love it So what about
0: uh, Organization what, mm-hmm. was, what was their approach In teaching somebody Who straight after Like a very minimal Experience in, in culinary How did they approach That lesson of Organization with you
1: right, It starts as simple As working clean Don't be cluttered If you make a mess Immediately uh, Pick it up Make sure your station's swept, make sure your apron's clean. Just look at your surroundings. Does it look organized? I tell people when they're putting stuff in the way in the back, I'm like, "Chef, this should, this be 2 inches to the left, 2 inches to the right." I tell them very simple, really easy rule, like if it looks organized, it is. And that's very true. Yeah. So if you it looks appropriate, you put it up on the shelf and they change the way the spices are a little bit, but it looks good, I don't say anything. Yeah. So when did you ever get corrected on your organization coming up? Oh, of course you get corrected. I mean, a good house you'll be corrected. At all points. How, I mean.
0: how did they correct you? What was their approach for correcting?
1: You, uh, you know, some some guys yelled. Some guys pitched a fit. Some guys <laughs> uh, were passive-aggressive. So every manager did a different job. Some managers didn't do it at all, yeah. and they suck. So, but that's another good rule is I always learn something from everyone I've ever worked for. Sometimes it was what to do. Sometimes it was not yeah, to do.
0: yeah. So – you spent ten years coming up at, at this one location, right? Mm-hmm. Which 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 Emerald restaurant was it? One more time, remind me.
1: It was Emeralds Del Monaco. Uh, but I also spent some time at Emeralds uh, and Emeralds Nola. I also helped open up uh, Emeralds Gulfport, uh, and I did a stint after the hurricane at Emeralds Miami. So I was a bit of an everyman. All right, so job. Well, I wanted a job. Put me to work. Pay me money.
0: So when you came on, you ha- you were a fry cook, right? That was your first role, right? Right. How long did it take you? When you left the, the Emerald family of restaurants, where were you?
1: I was second command of uh, Delmonico's. Okay. I was exec sous chef.
0: Okay. What did that ladder look like? When were like, the key points in your career, climbing the ladder underneath this this restaurant like Hero?
1: Uh, you know, um, at, at first, you get thrown into it and you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. I had little cooking experience. I could actually shuck an oyster better than anybody there. <laughs> Um, but you know, not knowing what you're getting yourself into, you just you have no idea how how deep the water is and how much progression you have. But I was always looking at the next station. So when you're on Fry right next to you is pantry, well, I wanted to work pantry, so I figured out how to work it real quick. And when somebody got fired, I'm like, hey, I can work pantry. So okay, and really, I think dive into that because I think a lot of times
0: people, when they're working their job, they're told to do things and they're just eyes down, focusing on their thing. But at that same time, we've learned this in the past. Like you're surrounded by everything that's going on. Like how do, like how do you did you make it a point to, like, notice how long they are keeping the pan on, the range? Like, were, they, were you timing it? Were you getting the rhythms down? Like, what, what does that look like, studying the next role look like?
1: It, it's all of that. It's being where you surround surrounded. And, yes, the first thing you should focus on is what's in front of you, yeah. the, your task at hand. But as soon as you got that down, and you got to take – some guys would take a smoke break. I didn't. I would take a break and go learn the, the sauté station, nice. and I would ask questions, and I would go to the chef. Chef, why has this happened? He would actually appreciate it. Yes. And, um, and a fellow banter with my other cooks, I'm like, hey, uh, I'll do your knife work uh, to get better at my knife, knife skills, and you do something for me that, that requires no skill. Yeah. You peel the shrimp, I'll work us on, I used to brunoise everybody's shallots, and everybody's like, ha, this, this guy likes to cut the shallots. I'm like, I actually do, and that's why my knife skills are better than you. <laughs> I'm also humble. Yeah, but I think there, the the
0: other lesson there is to um, is to ask questions. Like, pay attention, ask questions, and like you said, they will appreciate it. the people that you're working with and for will appreciate this. And what happens when they appreciate? It? Like, what, what what spins out of that?
1: You you get moved up. Yeah, you get moved up real quick if you can work a station better than Jack or Jill. Guess what? You get to work that station a mm-hmm. lot of times. Not yep. all the times, so but sometimes. Sometimes. They have different ways of bringing people up. A lot of houses will bring people up based on the amount of time they've been there and not skill level, which is a mistake.
0: Mm.
1: Why is that a mistake? It's a mistake because just because you've been here longer than me doesn't mean you can do the job better than me. There you go. I move people up whether you can do the job better. I don't care how long you've been here or how old you are or what your skill level like or you went to culinary school or you work for Grant Atchess. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) So when did you take on a leadership role? When did that happen? Uh, it happened pretty quick, and I actually kind of, as soon as I made Sous Chef, I was only a couple years into it. So I went from fry cook to pantry to saute to apps to butcher to sauciate to manager all within a couple of years. Damn. Uh, and as soon as I took over uh, the Sous Chef role, I was actually already telling people what to do, and I was, always, I was already friends with everybody anyway. So it was like, hey, I need you to do this now, and it was like, okay, cool, no problem, Isaac. So what was that transition, like being
0: everyone's friend, but then transitioning to a management Or leadership role Where now you're their boss too Because a lot of people Do struggle with that transition
1: uh, I got burned a couple times For sure Yeah uh, And it takes being burned What do you mean by being burned? Uh, you know You let your friend Get away with something Or you cover for them When you're the manager And they're, they're the cook and then they, they screw you over, and they didn't they didn't mise en place like they said they would, or they, they left something dirty, and think, oh, don't worry, that's my boy Isaac can get away with that. Yeah. So it takes you learning that hard lesson. I also had problems telling someone older than me what to do. Mm. When I was raised you know, respect your elders, and, and be like that. And the chef actually said this famous quote, and I would all, always love this quote. He says, "Hey, look, having problems dealing with the older guy? This is how you think about it. It's your job or it's his job. Pick one." I'm like, oh. Thanks, chef. That was It was crude, and it was to the point, and it made a lot of sense. And I, t- I take that to this day. It's like, his job or mine? Well, that made it a whole lot easier, and I fired that dude.
0: Yeah. Well, it's right. I mean, it's hard to do, but it, you're right. Your it, job It used mine. to be. It yeah. used to
1: be. Now I could fire somebody and take a nap.
0: So <laughs> what what has changed in you that has made it easier? Like, What's the dialogue in your, your, your brain look like?
1: Uh, the dialogue in my brain is, is actually like the polar opposite of, say, Marco Pierre White would be that I am... Everybody's friend in there I'm your boss first But I'm also your friend You can come to me With anything Like you got a extramarital problem You got a drug problem You can come to me I could probably figure it out I've got a really good Rapport with everybody yeah. The dishwasher My general manager My wife We all have an open line Of communication you have, you have a problem With anything You come see me And when I ask you To do something I mean I ask, like, to ask you Right now Hey would you tip your hat Just a little bit And thank you And <laughs> if you You can't understand that It's like all I, I, Say somebody Underseasons something I'm gonna go up and say, "Hey Aaron, would you add some more salt to that?" And the response: "Best be yes, chef." And it's that simple. Mm. That's simple. You, I think about when I ask someone else to, I go, "How do I want to be asked? Do I want to be yelled at? I don't want to be yelled at. Do I want to be fussed at? Do I want to be passive aggressive? Do I just like just start kicking shit around? No, just come ask me straightforward to do something. That's it. That's yeah. it. Got you. So.
0: Um Moving around emeralds, like reflecting at that time all these different experiences that you had all these roles you had, what were the biggest lessons that you think you learned i mean you you, you learned everything about your culinary career mostly at this at under this restaurant tour, but what were your biggest lessons that you think that this experience gave you
1: oh you know i didn 't have a whole lot of one on one time with emerald. I got more and more as it got on, but I learned real quick of how to take care of people or how to understand people uh, being a chef and being a manager, honestly for this long is is not his degree in psychology I know, I know that guy needs a hug That guy needs a kick in the ass That guy needs a hug and then a kick in the ass And everything in between I know how to deal with people And I know how to treat people You treat people good, you treat employees good You don't have to worry about a whole lot else Yeah, I'm always going to worry about the sausage I'm always going to worry about the shrimp But my employees like working here If they don't, they can leave And if, uh, if you've got a problem with me, I guarantee it's you you can ask around town. I'm really likable because I just, I'm just i a nice guy. I'm not an asshole. I look like an <laughs> asshole. I look like I could tear your arms off and be, beat you with them, but I, but I won't because I just genuinely like being here, and I, I like being human, and I like being alive, and like playing with my kids, and that's just kind of the way to be. Just have joy. Why, why do you, you got to yell? Why you got to fuss? Why you got to be a dick at work? We all know a dick at work. You're thinking of that dick at work right now, yeah. and I'm not that dick.
0: <laughs> okay. I love it, man. Um, so what about business though because uh, I mean you basically got your your you know your graduate in like your whatever degrees working here, but like like what did they teach you about business like something that if you didn't pick up this one thing about how they run their businesses that you wouldn't have been where you are today with your business
1: well i didn't i didn't and the one thing i didn 't pick up I'll focus on his money. Yeah, okay. And, it's, and, it's, uh, and that's a hard thing to, to teach, and it's a hard thing to understand because it's one thing they didn't let me in on was the finances. It wasn't my wasn't my position. It wasn't my uh, business. It wasn't yeah. my fucking business, how much money they made or what they did with it. But as soon as I opened up a restaurant and became an owner, ha ah, 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 boy, you fall on your face hard. And that's, that's a hard thing to fall on because you yeah. get everything else right.
0: So let's, let's tap the brakes right here. Take a break and thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Did you know Toast is the number one most recommended POS on Restaurant Unstoppable? I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that more than two-thirds of their employees have worked in the restaurant industry. And I'm feeling pretty confident that has something to do with their commission-free online ordering, which is a hot ticket right now, which lets guests easily order directly from restaurants for pickup or contactless delivery to keep revenue flowing during these uncertain times. They even have delivery services, which dispatches local drivers through an on-demand network to keep your community fed and revenue coming. Regardless of the reason why people are recommending Toast, I highly recommend you go check them out during this industry-wide pause to learn more, head to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners for a limited time, get one month of free POS software, three months of free digital ordering tools and 50% off implementation to ease the impact of COVID-19. This is a value of $1,000. One more time. That's Tab dot com slash unstoppable you have to use that link to save one thousand dollars we 're back and uh, you're just starting to tell us about how not really getting the time to learn about finances while well, working under emerald 's restaurants was one of the things reflecting back that you wish you could have gotten, uh, but any other lessons you did get before moving on and talking about you opening your first restaurant
1: yeah it 's all about you know you have to just hammer every single lesson you have whether it 's the linens or whether it 's washing your hands. You have to, I say all these things all the time. I say, did you taste your food 15 times a day? I say, did, did, we put that, uh, did we put that stock in a metal container? Did we ice it down immediately? All these lessons, did you devein the shrimp? Did you da 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 Every lesson that you've learned and have to give, you have to give all the time. Mm. And, and Marco Pierre did say this. He said, the more you're in your kitchen, the better your food will be. And that's something I completely agree with. Yeah. If I take a couple of weeks, uh, you know, take a vacation, I am, like, I'm on vacation at the beach going, Oh, the shrimp better be seasoned right. You <laughs> can't get it out. You yep. got to. You got to be a psychopath. You got to be to ad nauseum your job. You got to. Got to be a little. I old. can't
0: help but think of Danny Meyer's words when constant gentle pressure. And I think so many people get so irritated and so frustrated with having to complete, like, constantly repeat things and put the salt sen- mm-hmm. center of the salt right. But once you accept that, that's your responsibility as a leader to constantly correct. I mean, did you ever come to that like realization that like I could lose my shit, but like, it's not worth losing my shit because this is what I'm supposed to do? I'm, I'm a corrector.
1: Yeah, it's you just get comfortable with it. Yeah. You get comfortable with just, just the repetition. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got to yell at my service to, to sweep the rugs. I swear to God, I, I, do you sweep the rugs? Do you sweep the rugs? Do we mop the floor? Do we mop the floor? Do we mop today?
0: <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, so um, let's transition to you opening your own restaurant. First, I'm curious, did you approach anybody at Emerald's Businesses to see if they would be interested in letting you like how does that work with such A celebrity chef do they Typically invest in other people in their dreams that are Work on their teams
1: uh, that was a hard No for on our call Okay uh, I actually uh, I, But right after I left uh, the restaurant Emerald's Restaurant Group, I did a couple private gigs for some other People who didn't know how to run restaurants And got severely burned okay. and uh, I was working the same amount of hours which 80 to 100 hours just ridiculous amounts of work Working for these other people and After getting burned twice in a row me and Amanda went, to hell with this. We don't mind working. I don't mind working. I'm a workaholic. I'm always going to do it. But working for other people is for the birds. Mm. Now we're going let's bust our ass for ourselves. Mm. So we didn't want an investment partner.
0: So did I think in my research I caught that you, you yourself burnt out a little bit working with Emerald's restaurant. Since you take a break? Weren't you like a fishmonger for a few months?
1: Uh, that was after getting burned the two times in the private. Not after Chef Emerald's uh, restaurant. Okay. But after the two private, I got burnt out. So what was the reason for leaving Emerald's? Um, you know, I had, I had an offer for my first executive position at a okay. restaurant I really uh, uh, loved. Okay. Uh, it was one of my favorite restaurants back in the day. Um, and I went to work there because I was like, I'm sort of a dream job. I'm now a chef. You know, and the guy ahead of me, the executive chef uh, who took over Delmonico was, was one of my still one of my great friends. And I just assumed that he was going to be there forever. I'm like, you know what, I'm never i going to try to throw him under a bus. So I've got to go instead of trying to be the chef at Delmonico. It's been ten years. Let's go. Let's go somewhere else and be your own chef. Mm. And then you learn those lessons.
0: Do you think, do you think it's
1: important to, to get around and, and to get experience different places before opening your own place? I mean, yes and no. But part of me says, you know, man, should have in my mid twenties, I should have gone stage around Europe or at least around the rest of America, and I didn't. I went focus hard at Delmonico. Why but, is that so important? Uh, which one? Staging, getting out, getting different experiences. I think I think that's very important, but I didn't do that. Yeah, uh, and uh, some of some of me wishes I did at the same time I'm doing pretty good how I did. Yeah. So I have these regrets. Like you want to have these regrets, but look at where I'm at now. I'm, I'm in a pretty good position. Yeah. Uh pandemic outstanding. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, you know, just uh getting out and eating new things, traveling, talking to people, knowledge is power. Yeah. So you, you left uh
0: Emeralds restaurants to go take on this executive chef role um in you said you did some consulting too. Uh, what were some of the big lessons that with all the knowledge and all the skills you picked up working for such an industry great, go, transitioning to these new spaces, did you see things that they were doing that you instantly improved? And like, what were the things that people typically missed that maybe that you picked up on in this uh, circumstance? You know,
1: Shepard always had a really good – keeping a really good team around him. Okay. And so, uh, some of these other—I mean, I made mistake. I made my own mistakes. So I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. But some business owners want to open up restaurants because they think it's glorious or whatever, and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So, and it's hard to hard to t- tell somebody whose owners you're—they're signing your checks—that you don't know what you're doing. And, and they just they, they see the numbers. The numbers don't come in wrong, and say, "Well, they get reactionary." It's like, "Okay, we got to change everything now." I'm like, "No, hold on." So. That's the hardest thing to do is when you're working with somebody or you're working with a team, and then you have several team members who aren't doing their part, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's extremely frustrating.
0: Yeah. This is going back almost 10 years ago. We don't have to mention the name of the restaurant, but what weren't they doing right? Like, What were the things that you instantly were like, this needs to change?
1: Uh, Not paying their employees. Okay. Uh, And then one of the owners driving up in a nice car. So it was like a blatant, just a blatant slap in the face. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually uh, had to pay my own sous chef out of my pocket. Yeah. Uh, and it was after I left that job. It was six months before I got my money back. Yeah. And so and then uh, they were just starting to do some, some illegal stuff, which is actually how they got shut down. They were physically taking liquor from one of their other restaurants and bringing it over to the their restaurant why and is that selling Ill- it. Why is that illegal? You ever try to you ever try to just set up a bar (laughs) illegally and try to no no the 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 alcohol board does does not like that you have to have a liquor license if you don't have a liquor license so it's 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 a bunch of little things and you know um, and they try to strangle hold my food I'm like you brought me on as this culinary leader and now you're telling me what to cook yes you're the owner but you hired me for a job yeah got you.
0: Great lessons. Any other lessons before we start to transition to your story with what you got going on here with Tubes Meatery?
1: Um, you know, those those a lot of lessons are hard. Uh, learn them quick. Don't repeat yourself. So when when did you
0: have this vision for Tubes Meatery? When did you know exactly what it was you wanted to do?
1: Um, you know, that's kind of a was a grow for the first couple of years. It was kind of a growing scale. At first, I kind of wanted to open up a, a deli butcher shop. Okay, Tubes Meatery was going to be you know it's a high end butcher shop. And you sell meats and you sell sandwiches, and pretty soon it's like, oh, we'll do sandwiches and we'll do, uh, we'll do a pasta dish. Oh, you know what? We're also going to add some cracklings and we're also going to serve, but you know what? Okay, it's a restaurant. So I had to go to my wife and go, like, okay, look, <laughs> we're scratching all this. It's a, let's a, it's not a joke, it's a restaurant now.
0: So was that a hard pill for you to swallow, or is this what you wanted
1: to do? No, 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 no. It was the okay. easy pill. In fact, okay. once, once I accepted that this was a restaurant, I actually felt better about it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, now I know how to do this.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, the lesson there too is that we get so, sometimes we get so caught up. Um, and getting things perfect, right? Just the way we want them to be. And this is going to be the, our dream restaurant just like this forever. Then we start and then we realize that what we thought isn't necessarily what's best, right? So I think you have to be open to adapting. And what was, call, like, what was causing these adaptations? Was it customer requests? Was it like, like what, were, what were the reasons why you're adding all these different things on?
1: Uh, you know, um, well, at first we opened up as the restaurant. We didn't open up as a, as a deli and change um, before all this started So you, you open up With a plan you, mm-hmm. That plan goes to shit Real quick You fall on your face Well plan B Have plan C through Z And then ZB <laughs> Z1, two, three. Yeah Because you have, you have to have A new plan Almost at all times And you have to have A backup plan then Your backups and your backups So we opened up First night we sold All the food All the food The next night we did The same thing We kept doing that And like okay I need a big, I need more coolers And then you realize Okay I'm not making Enough money Oh I see I'm not charging enough For my food uh, I have too much labor. Ah, uh, the rent's too high. Well, you can't do anything about the damn rent. Yeah, and we almost closed this restaurant uh, right after Hurricane Isaac. Mm. Coincidentally, or not coincidentally, always wanted to have a hurricane named after me. Get one shut, almost shuts my dream down. <laughs> so these little lessons, like, like money and payroll, and oh, oh, insurance is a thing. Wait, I have to pay payroll. So you have to pay to pay. You have to pay money to pay people. Yeah, payroll tax. It keeps and, compounding. Yeah,
0: it keeps shit. So like, like, these lessons are really great lessons. They're hard lessons to learn. Um, what. When it came to finance Like what didn't you know What were the lessons You had to learn the hard way
1: uh, Pretty much all the lessons okay. uh, About finances in the hard way and, and how to move money around And how to use credit, credit cards And how to use uh, You know Small business loans And how to pay it back And how to get tax deductions off All that And it's very complicated My wife uh, luckily takes care of uh, Most of the finances okay. in, what, in what department And I have a good team And your wife is Your, your business partner In this and restaurant My wife was my one I said 50, 50 business partner So I, how do you Complement each other uh, we come. Uh, we try to stay in each other's lanes, even though we cross lanes a whole lot. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously the culinary director and, and the face of it all, and I'm the jackass that jumps on TV and, <laughs> ra- and radio when ne- yeah. necessary. And Amanda takes care of like all the social media and all the and a lot of the paperwork, and she keeps my ass in line, yeah. which is a fucking job in and of itself. And so you know. She something. That's like I see, We need you know, for financial reasons. We need to you know, take on this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, I'll do it, and I'll make that happen. And so, you know, we we were together for a long time before we started restaurant together. And I think that was essential. Why? So we already knew each other because it's a it was. We still fight on occasion, but it was very rough opening this place. And if we weren't been in a committed relationship, I don't think we'd have made it if we mm. didn't just start it out.
0: So, what advice do you have going into business with your significant other? They say your business partner is basically a marriage. Uh, but this was actually a marriage But like mm-hmm. what What advice do you have out there For people who are Getting
1: into this together Like how did you guys Get through it uh, Before you start an argument Take a big deep Fucking breath And think about what you say Are you saying it out of anger Saying it out of anger Best not say it Wait Wait <laughs> yeah. Just wait Because if you have You have a legitimate grievance yeah. Say it Say it even kilter Don't cuss Don't try to bring Any attitude with it Yeah And like And you'll, you'll re- Actually reformat how to, How to say that To almost anybody Yeah So
0: true. Um, Back to finances. I know you mentioned your wife manages a lot of the finances, but what do you know? The names of the systems you've adopted, uh, the the approach, the practices of managing money and moving money around. Is there? Yeah, cash
1: is king. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) keep keep all your money, but and know where to invest it. You know, we don't know the stock market very well, but we have rental properties. Okay, and uh, you know. uh, I don't know the internet, the internet that well, but Amanda does, and people like my big stupid face, and they like <laughs> my face on, on the books and whatnot, so we know how to cross-promote ourselves. Okay. And we do radio shows, and we do podcasts, and we do books. I got, I'm writing the second book right now, okay. and I'm writing a children's book. All right. I'm doing it all, man. So I how, do it all.
0: how do you cross-promote yourself? Give us some skills on how to get our name out there, how to get our brand out there.
1: Yeah. Um, people love their food porn, and I don't know your version of food porn, but people love it. Okay. And people love it, apparently, because we pay attention to all these little things. they love it better when i I'm, I'm I'm holding it, and my face is in the shot with the food and I can't tell you why, and I don't care, but I know it how <laughs> so and you know and, and things like with I did top chef, and then top chef uh, got me like, oh hey. This got these publishing companies. Uh, Little Brown wants uh, wants to do a book with you. Oh, good! I want to do a book with them. Oh, hey! Because you you did the book, this person wants to sponsor you on some bourbon. Oh, okay. And I made a contact with bourbon. Hey, I also know this guy. He owns a blah 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 blah. So you're always making connections. So, always be nice. Always yeah. be courteous.
0: Do you have somebody who's managing? Do you have a manager like a talent manager who's finding you these opportunities, or are these just coming to you because you do so well?
1: Both. And I have I have a team. I mean, I have a, a PR company. I have a talent agent. I have a talent lawyer. Uh, we have a, a pri- we have a CPA. We have we have the whole, the whole team. Okay, my general manager takes care of a lot of things that are that are non restaurant work, but it's still part of the the family get together. When well, did you start leveraging
0: all these different elements of like like having like a publicist? I don't think I've ever heard of. I'm sure probably some of my guests past guests have had. What was the term you use? Talent manager or talent?
1: Uh, so I have a talent agent, which is different from my my PR firm. So what's the difference? My talent agent um, only gets paid. When I get I get paid like to do a TV show, and okay. she makes sure she sells me the TV show for the appropriate amount, for with, with appropriate amount of uh, things going on and in and in the wording to make sure I'm not getting screwed over. Yeah, and she then they also will reach out. So the the, the my PR firm, I'm sorry, my, my talent agency, CAA Creative Arts uh, Agency, in New, based out of New York, they so a producer or a show will call them. Hey, I'm looking for uh, a big bald Cajun. Who can wrestle an alligator uh, and, and go oyster. Like, oh, oh, yeah, we got Isaac and whatnot, so they'll sell me like that. But also people will come to me and like, oh, you want to pay me for a, a season of a show? Okay, here, contact my – here, yeah. here's my agent's number. You talk to her. And, she, yeah. and, and then she'll come to me and she'll go, yeah, Isaac, let's do this one.
0: Yeah, that's another great reason to have somebody – who does exactly that, so you can professionally, deflect. yeah. Well, and plus, it's not your lane. Get mm-hmm. out of your lane, like. So, how do you? How have you been able to validate the? Was this an, an expensive initial investment, or?
1: So the thing, the cool thing with a talent agent is they don't get paid until I get paid. Okay, but they take a cut, and that's fine with it. That's actually great. I wish everybody worked like that. Yeah, I wish every single person on the planet worked like that. <laughs> uh, my PR firm, on the other hand, they get paid a, a monthly monthly fee every year, and they're more like the, my cheerleaders. Okay, so they're the ones doing look it's Isaac and they call up newspapers and they call up shows hype and hype and they uh, put together packages and yeah they're they're the hype team
0: okay I love it um who is your talent Are oh, you're not your, sorry you're a publicist I like to give people shout outs just a
1: oh uh that's um uh, brusman carino all right cool thank you very much
0: um so we we talked about finance. Uh, we talked about how you, you and your wife have lanes. We talked about the differences between publicists and uh, talent management. Um, what were other some of the other key things that you think? Do you think you picked that up because of Emerald? Like that whole, did you have that in the back of your mind, like thinking like I could be a brand, and you are a great personality? Uh, do you think you would have thought like that, and if you didn't have the kind of that influence coming up?
1: No, never. I actually never thought of any of this. Like. TV chef, celebrity chef. I actually thought it was a bit of a joke. Okay, honestly, I, I, honestly, I'm a bit of a joke. Um, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a character. I've always been this character. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the same guy on TV. I'm the same guy on radio. I'm the same guy in the kitchen. I can't turn this shit off. I'm but it's a, an asset. I'm a, a smart ass. Yeah, yeah. smart asset. Um, <laughs> and I, I never, you know, and, and when Top Chef came around the first time, uh, and they said, "Hey, you want to do Top Chef?" I didn't want to do it. Why not? But I didn't want to do it at all. I'm like a TV chef. That's not what I got in this for. Yeah. And a lot of kids, and I'll say, if you're listening, if you're getting to this, to be. To be rich and famous, you're not going to be rich, and you're not going to be famous. That's the 0.1% of us make it to celebrity chef status, yeah. and that's a weird status. I'm a celebrity chef. I still laugh at that. I'm like, that, that, that's not a real thing. But it is a real thing. We're treated like rock stars, and I appreciate that because I don't want to die on the line. Mm. At the same time, it's not something you should be going for and training for, but I digress.
0: I hear you. So, um Reflecting back on the, some of the things you shared, you also mentioned that one of your biggest challenges getting started wasn't pricing out your menu. You you weren't charging enough, and you had you figured that out the hard way. Take us through that, re- reliving that. Like, how did you make it right?
1: Uh, you know, uh, I knew how to do food costs and inventory and whatnot, so I wasn't completely uh, in, in the dark on things. But uh, it's all about what something's worth, not necessarily what you can charge for it. What's the difference? So, um, you know, so I do food costs, and for like, say, for instance, my boudin balls. My Buddha balls are pork and rice and you know, breadcrumbs and some seasons and whatnot and, and pork fat. Very simple dish. And I only needed a couple bucks for it. I only needed a couple bucks for it. So people were getting these appetizers for 2 $3. And my general manager who's been with me the whole time says, Isaac, you should be charging $6. i am like, I only need 3 Like, no, you're not, you're not getting it. You're giving people a big portion of appetizer or something. No, you only need, need $3, but everybody else is charging 6 yeah, and so he he kind of opened my mind. I'm like, oh, okay. And you know, I I can serve you a plate right now. You'd be like six bucks for that. That's a that's a steal. It's still a steal. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I always have this paranoid thought of I don't want anybody walking out of here thinking that they've been screwed over or I, uh, I jinxed them out of something. And when in fact, you know, I need to make more money than what I charge. I can't if I paid one dollar for something. I can't sell it to you for one dollar because then I can't pay anybody else. I can't yeah. keep the lights on. Yeah. So as so you, you can tell by the car I drive, I'm not like I, I, I drive a Silverado. I'm not not rolling the dough.
0: But what, what you're talking about, like so, like menu engineering, where you price out exactly you know to the penny what this item costs us to make, mm-hmm. and then you work into that a percentage profit, right? So right. You, you're charging, so you're, you're making a percentage on that, no matter what. But certain items, you can. You can play with that percentage because, for example, maybe it's just a really inexpensive dish, but it's very value driven. Like, there's a lot of value in that dish, so why not charge thirty percent profit on that one item to get your return and make up for some maybe some of the stakes that are, or I'm sure you know some of the higher ticketed prices where maybe you want to focus on volume because I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I actually you can got, move things around, Give I, me an I've example. Got seg-
1: I got a segue for you because sometimes I actually charge less than my the, my, uh, my percentage markup. So I normally charge a twenty five percent markup. As if I pay, if I pay twenty five cents for it, I charge you a dollar for it because that keeps all the lights on and keeps all the other bills. And there are bills coming in, but sometimes I only do a fifty percent markup, especially if something's a higher in uh, price. Yeah. So let's say I, I sell you a steak, uh, and that steak costs me twenty dollars. Yeah. Well, instead of charging you eighty, I'm only going to charge you sixty. However, if I just charge you, if I charge you sixty, and I, it only cost me twenty, then I just made forty. Mm. Whereas the boudin balls cost me one dollar. I sell it. I sell it to you for four dollars. That's a twenty five percent. So, but I've only made three dollars now. Yeah. So even though my my food cost is is down percentage wise, I made more money, and that's when you know how to like you got to know when to to lean the system. Yeah. So yeah, food costs not might not be good, but I'm making money. Mm-hmm. Which would you rather? Good food costs or making money. I know which the answer is. Making money. <laughs> making money. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Anything we haven't? I mean, I want to talk a little bit
0: about. You mentioned that you are a scatterbrain and I'm a scatterbrain. I think a lot of people that are into this industry are scatterbrains, but you lean on systems, you said. Uh, Before we get into that, anything we haven't brought to the surface about the early days, big lessons that you, things you wish you knew now that, you know, or knew then that you know now?
1: Uh, You know, definitely one of the lessons when I opened up the first menu, I'd I'd love to have a copy of one and look at it and just slap myself in the face for it because there was a bunch of weird, trite crap on there that it really took me a couple of years of. being open to realize exactly what the metery was you asked me this earlier like when did you know i'm like a couple years after we opened was exactly what i know and like now i know what it is and you know um but you didn't know i remember this first thought i had like i have my own restaurant i can do whatever i want oh shit what is that what does that mean (laughs) yeah oh my god i didn't know it at first so i you know repeated some stuff that i had done in the past and and put this on this on this is what I want to do yeah this is what I want to do is it good I don't know Uh. so it, it took me years to fully like be happy with what I was serving
0: Okay. I think that's important because like you don't know until you know, it, but you just have to start and you, you can't not know. You can't let not knowing stop you from starting. Right. And like by starting you just slowly, the, the, the vision, the, the things just start to come together, you start to get that identity, but you just have a general direction to start. Like you yeah, too dumb to be scared. Yeah. I love it, man. Great stuff. <laughs> so when did you start learning about the significance of systems um, and the importance of, of systems as a business owner?
1: Right away. I mean, it's it's important for a system as the fry cook. Mm -hmm. It's important for systems as for any job whatsoever. Uh, Cooking specifically um, is the there's a way to do things, and you have to repeat them. But it's not always going to come in the same way. Gotcha. So every every service I've ever ran, the thousands of service we ran in this restaurant, not a single one has gone the exact same way. So you got to be flexible and you have to have your systems and you should, you should know, okay, I need about this much and just go about like this, but be ready to juggle. Mm. Be ready to juggle. Have your systems in place, but knowing that that system is going to break at some point and you'll have to adjust to it. Yep. Flexible. Uh, be flexible. What's
0: the most important system that you have in your business if you had to, to, to narrow it down to one?
1: Uh, the recipe book. Okay. I'm, I'll, I'll, there's, a, there's, there's a ton of things I could answer, but that's the one that came to the top of my head. If you're cooks and your managers... Uh, don't know the recipes And this goes to the recipes For the bar This goes to the recipes For how much bleach To put in the bucket To mop This goes for recipes For the boudin And for the gumbo And for everything If it's hard written down And I come to somebody And it's wrong I go Did you follow the recipe? <laughs> yeah And the answer better be yes Yeah I, It was just the other day I had a, a, one of my young cooks He ain't here no more I'll tell you why later uh, There was the crab claw vinaigrette And we saw these Marinated crab claws And I tasted the, the vinaigrette And I'm like did you put oil in here? I mean, he's like, yes, chef. Ooh. I'm like, what does the recipe say? It says, it, says, it doesn't have oil on it, chef. Like, Why'd you put oil in it? Oh, I, I thought that's what you do. I'm like, I, almost, like I strangled him in my head. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I just strangled him, and like, it took me, cause it, the cheese fell off his cracker a long time ago, <laughs> and I just had to like, sit sit down, and like very slowly, why did you put oil in this sauce if it's not on the recipe I and mean, just looked at me blankly. I'm like, yeah, you're not gonna be here long.
0: Yeah, uh, what is one element of a recipe book that a lot of people leave out that is really important that will take that th- tool to the next level?
1: Uh, I mean, you can't you can't have too many details. Okay, you cannot have too many details. And uh, you know, I have I have a professional cookbook out by, uh, done by Little Brown, written by Jennifer Cole. And uh, it's extremely detailed. And we get uh, hits all the time it's like, oh man, all these recipes work. It's like, I know. I suffered over them to make sure they work. And they we went through a food writer and they make sure we talked in re- regular language and not restaurateur language. So my restaurant cookbook, the one the cooks look at, isn't as detailed oriented as my my cookbook. And because the cooks know how to read the systems. Okay. And they know how to, 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 to make, you know, um, Educated guesses on stuff. However, there are no guesses in the book. It's all, it's all incremental. It's all either weighed out or measured out. There's nothing that could go wrong. Okay.
0: So the more, except, except human the, error. Yeah. Human, <laughs> there's, there's always going to be human error. Oh, can't account for that. I you can, have to account for I can for tell that.
1: you to fry the chicken to, to 155, and you're going to screw that up. Yeah, man. So... W-
0: I, the other thing I picked up about you, and I, this kind of ties back into your media and your publicists, um, you're, you're, you have a whole story tied to the brand, and I think that's a lot of a lot of people miss that opportunity to identify with, you know, what is the business and what's the story behind the business and is why is the business the way it is. And I feel like you have leaned into that a lot with your brand and the story behind the business. Do you want to get into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything we do is on brand. And mm-hmm. we, in fact, we, that, that phrase "on brand" comes up a whole lot. You know, um, we run bone marrow. What do, what's on top of the bone marrow? Chicken gizzards. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's very meaty. Meatery is guttural. And we have horns up on the top. And we have axes. And we have gators everywhere. I have a gator on my entire back is, 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 a, is a gator tattoo. And the book is Chasing the Gator. And there's a gator on the mural off front. <laughs> uh, and we always kind of keep it tied in those Cajun roots. However, I have lamb neck braids and anchovy and red wine. That's not Cajun, mm. but you wouldn't notice. Yeah. And I do a lot of other things that aren't Cajun. But you don't notice. And you know what? Uh, extra special? You don't care. Who cares? You put it in your mouth and you go, God, this is fucking delicious. And you don't care if it's cage, You don't care if it's Creole. You don't care if it's Southern. I got some lemongrass in there. I got some uh, aged Korean soy sauce. No one gives a shit. It's delicious. Yeah. But one of the things that
0: comes up on the show a lot is that your your restaurant needs to be an extension of who you are. I mean, you can develop a concept or a brand, but if it's something that you have to show up to every day, that isn't an extension of you, then it's going to be that much harder to show up every day. Yeah. But if it feels like this brand is a literal, I mean, I'm sitting, I'm looking around. There's pictures of your family around us. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that little guy is you. When that little guy's me. Yeah. So like, the, like this, this, this whole building is a reflection of your your history, your family's history, your values. What happens when you do that?
1: It's extremely um, Enlightening It's not only enlightening but it's, 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 it's empowering And another thing when you, when you get your own place You, you make this wonderful realization That you, can, you only have to do what you want to do mm. And it was one of inspiration When I read Martin Picard's cookbook On de Cochon from, from Montreal And reading it, was, it's, it hit me it just hit me in the fucking head Young Cook he says I'd never serve anything That I don't want to eat myself And I'm like whoa you can do that? And like, of course you can do that, but I never realized. Like, so I don't have to have a chicken breast on my menu, no, and I never will. Yeah, and I never serve chicken breast in my restaurant, and have these things. It's like I don't like uh, Atlantic salmon. Guess what? I don't serve. I don't serve anything that I don't want to eat, and I don't especially don't serve anything that I like you like you have to have. I don't have soup. People ask, no. "Why do you serve soup?" I don't want to serve a soup, and it's that easy. There you go. It's that <laughs> fucking easy. I don't have three salads. I have one. It's a nice one. It's very simple. Yeah. What, I can't put grilled chicken on. on I can get a grilled chicken Caesar's, Caesar. No, fuck off, <laughs> and I can't can't get a burger at night because I don't want to sell burgers at night. Yeah, <laughs> I got people that walk out. So I'm fine. <laughs> I love it,
0: man. You are who you are, and I think it's important to know what you want and what you want to be, and to show up every day. I mean, especially in, I feel like in a city you can get away with it more because there's a broader uh, market that you that will align and identify with you and what you're doing. Um, so, I mean, do you agree or disagree with that statement? So, I agree
1: completely because, honestly, there's not a whole lot of cities that, that, would, that would that would accept a meadery. Yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. So, I mean, New York, sure. L.A., maybe. Yeah. Uh, Portland, probably. Austin, probably. Yeah. But New Orleans, you can really fly your freak flag around here. Yeah. And we're so entrenched with the culture of food that there's not a whole lot of places that a meadery, you can't just pop up a meadery and... and middle america it yeah. wouldn't work they're, they're going to mcdonald's and that's okay because it's probably the best food out there a yeah. lot of times
0: yeah i'm jumping around a lot because i'm a scatterbrain too but one of the things that i think that we can learn I mean, this is me my this could help me personally but for, for those for those scatterbrains that are out there right now we talked a little bit about the importance of a recipe book um but what about in personal life like or just managing like your life as a restaurateur with all the different responsibilities you have i mean you have to wear so many different hats uh to to execute this this career well, how do you keep that under control? How do you keep that organized? What systems are you leveraging to keep your scatteredness under
1: control? Uh, you know when i 'm at home at home I'm at home mm. work better not call me unless the restaurant's on fire okay uh, so I have to make sure there's some separations because I have separation anxiety for my restaurant uh, and you know I have two wonderful daughters and I make sure I get time with both of them and then I make sure I get time with each one of them individually. And I like my, really like my wife. So I make sure we, we have date night every Tuesday night. And I get pissed off if I don't get it. Mm. Um, and I don't have a lot of hobbies. And I don't have, you know, I, I like to go to the gym. But I don't get to go a lot because I'm always working. Yeah. And uh, people ask me, when you go fishing? I'm like, I get to go fishing once a year. And I get to go hunting maybe once a year. And, you know, I don't have a lot of time. But I am living the dream. And a lot of people, when I hear them say living the dream, they're saying it sarcastically. And I'm not. I am living my dream. I have, mm. I have a restaurant. I have a beautiful wife. I have healthy children. Uh, and I'm only going up from here.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important to realize is that a lot of us who might have some re- regret or resentment for being uh, stuck to their restaurant, we have to remember this was what we asked for. This is what we wanted. This is, And we can choose to be resentful or we can choose to be grateful. We can choose to say, this is what I asked for and I got it, so I might as well make the most out of it. But when you take that approach, When you're that much more just gratitude changes so much. Like you attract onto yourself better people. Then oh, holy shit, five years later, after having this sense of gratitude, I can I I feel comfortable walking away because I now I've put positive energy into my business. Um I feel like I'm kind of sounding really woo-woo right now. Do you do you agree or disagree with what I'm driving? No, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna agree with that. You know, you you put the time and effort into your restaurant, you put make sure your team is strong. Make sure they have the tools. Yeah. Do they have the tools? Do they have the ingredients? Do they have the morale? Are they being paid well?
0: Yeah. So, what are the tools your team needs to to do the job well?
1: Uh, just simple direction and uh, letting them do their job, uh, sometimes their way. I, t- I tell them all the time, even online cook. I'm like, look, this is how I set up my station. You can set it up completely differently if you can get the job done. Okay. In fact, you can go about a dish slightly different if it comes out the way I like it. Okay. And if like people, I, I tell people all the time, like, look, you see a problem, you think you can run it a little bit better come at me don't change it without my permission yeah. but come at me and it happens all the time it's like chef if, if we do this like this and A like B instead of C like D it'll be easy to do and I'm like oh shit let's do that listen to your employees mm. my employees have great ideas all the time surround, you, surround your success, uh, you surround yourself with success and you'll be fine there's a bunch of shit I can't do I can't you know uh, sling back cocktails I can't go talk to guests I fucking strangle a guest uh, after the first complaint I can't do that <laughs> uh, you know and there's uh, there's Things you don't want to do it or things you're just not good at. I'm not. I'm not good with the numbers. We have a CPA. Yeah. Uh. You know. I am good with other things, and I am good with being out there, and I'm doing good with radio, and I'm great in the kitchen, and I'm good at a bunch of other places, and I can I can lift a stock pot by myself on the stove. I know what I'm good at. I know what I suck at, and the things you suck at, you best get somebody else who doesn't suck yes. at. Yes. Quick. Absolutely. Quick.
0: Great stuff, chef. Uh, so when did you know you were ready for location number two? Five years later. You have separation anxiety From your first restaurant already How did you get past That that hurdle With having to open Your, your next restaurant
1: uh, That actually closed So uh, I don't know If you want to talk about it but Well I would we love could, to talk about yeah, let's it Because there's it. lessons there Because there's the lessons there again yeah. So you know um, uh, The top chef Buzz Had like really Come and asked me Got some money we're Like you know what Let's open up a second restaurant Because again we're stupid uh, but um, you know, we had this money. It's like, what do we do? Do we do we invest in it, or do we open up a restaurant? And because this place was busy and st- mm-hmm. still busy, it's stay busy. And we thought we could translate that into another restaurant. Doesn't always happen. Long story short, and we kept the place open for three years. And I was extremely proud of the food, and I was extremely proud of the, the atmosphere and what we tried to do. But long story short, of why we failed is that we banked on a up-and-coming neighborhood that didn't up or come. Oh, so and that neighborhood is pretty much. Seen a downward spiral since and uh, it's before, probably before be during and uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably not coming back <laughs>
0: given this market, right? So yeah. you had three year run. You opened in 2017, so this must have been a recent close.
1: We uh, it closed probably a couple months before the pandemic. Okay. I'm going to tell you, if we hadn't, we'd be in even a more of a bind. Yeah. So it's actually kind of a positive thing, and I was, uh, I was heard about it. Yeah, and, and it, it took me a little while to get. A, actually, probably right around the time of the pandemic, I went like. Hey, you got one successful restaurant, and it's gotten busier since we closed that place. We actually tacked on more shifts here. So we used to close Monday and Tuesday, so Sunday, Monday. So we opened up Sunday for brunch. Okay, that did really well. Then we opened up Sunday night. Okay, that did really well. Then we opened up Mondays. Mondays are doing really well. Mm-hmm. So once, once that comes, and now I'm a complete piece at it. It was a lesson. Yeah. It's a financial loss. It's a kick in the dick. But I mean, that's part of being a businessman. And that's business part of a It's yeah. risk. You know, you, you and can now, And now we know. And now we know. It's like we need to be a little, a little more analytical about other things.
0: So knowing what you know now, going through this three-year experience, uh, taking, taking one on the chin, would you be willing to try another second restaurant in the future? I'm already
1: talking about another one. Yes.
0: <laughs> so what are you doing differently? <laughs> knowing all you've learned, what would you do differently the next time
1: out? Honestly, uh, the, the one thing it was location, location, location. That's honestly a, a friend of mine, Donald Link. He owns, you know, Koshaw and Pesh and Gianna, and he all only opens up restaurants on corners. Okay. And those those, those little things, you know, and uh, we actually took a risk here eight years ago when we opened the meatery. This place wasn't uh, wasn't all that. Yeah. However, it was a, it was a nice neighborhood. What do you mean people. by not all that? Physical there, was, there was there was nothing around here. Okay. I mean, it was it was just uh, housing, and there was like a cheap Italian joint, which is now a good barbecue yeah. restaurant, and there was no. Businesses down there whatsoever it was purely residential. So coming in here was like, okay, this neighborhood I think needs a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, instead of going trying to fight the central business district, which is just or Magazine Street, which is just tons and tons and tons of restaurant yeah. and, and a lot of um competition. Yeah. Over here, no competition. We saw the people like were needing a restaurant. Found the space and we took a gamble.
0: Okay. And this gamble corner, turned out
1: right. Corner lot too. And this is corner lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, what was what else was so great about this location? What, was it an exit strategy? Was there another restaurant here? with somebody trying to leave? Or? There
1: wasn't. There was a restaurant here, uh, in the in the uh, it was a Mediterranean restaurant. Okay. And I believe the old man just wanted to retire. Okay, there you go. Uh, and he left me the place. He left me all the dirty equipment. He left me all the uh, the trash, and he left me all the crap.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, so this next restaurant you're gonna open, I know we probably can't talk too much about it, but any other things that all the, the experience you've had now almost tw- over, tw- over 20 years about 20 years of experience um, what else are you going um, to do to, with all that accumulated experience to do
1: it different to do it better yeah, just make sure that we're going to have you know constant traffic mm. humans coming by in one way or another whether it's foot traffic tour buses I don't care you know you have to, you have to really get your presence out there you have to make sure you, you can have the best restaurant on the earth and if you don't have I'll quote the uh, vice president of emeralds asses and seats if you don't have asses and seats you, you you will have nothing yeah I love some it. of the some of the best restaurants in the world have closed for that yeah i i, I know people who have amazing restaurants with no customers and they shut down mm-hmm. and they'll also know, on the other hand terrible restaurants that have a line out the door mm-hmm. because they have a line because people like a line
0: yeah. it's it draws you I in roll. yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> so um Regarding
0: on that note of viral, um, how have you handled COVID-19? Uh, I mean, I don't like to spend a ton of time on COVID-19, but I feel like what my listeners could benefit from is what you've taken in um, and how you plan on coming back. What, what changes you've made in your business to, to get through this
1: weird time? You know, we shifted gears immediately. Okay. And I think that's a good hard lesson to learn is when, when shit hits the fan to get out the uh, spick and span and, and get to cleaning real quick. Uh, because something's going to happen If you don't start moving right now uh, You're going to suffer You're going to suffer badly yeah. So we immediately we, we closed on one day Because on one day We essentially dipped the restaurant in bleach And then we, everybody put masks on And we gloved up We put sanitizer out there And then we opened up for takeout service It was the only thing we could do We couldn't have mm. anybody inside And then we immediately reached out And um, we, we started this family meal program organically I can't say that I like Oh, we're going to have a shutdown And we're going to start feeding 500 people every day out of pocket Not how it happened how it happened was we only had, luckily, we managed to keep 75% of our staff. We had to let go a couple of servers and a couple of um, cooks. But I told them, look, you can't have a job, and we'll get your job back as soon as possible. But if you don't have a meal, every day during our family meal, we, we have it every day. We have it twice a day. We have one for lunch and one for dinner. Family meal means literally the food I feed my employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that should be standard restaurants. It's not. But it's something I felt that, That's necessary mm-hmm. So even before this happened We'd have family every day we'd eat And we continue work So I told them Look Don't have a job Come in and eat Every single day So instead of cooking Eight meals or ten meals a day I just started cooking 15 Yeah I get to call Chef I've I got a one of my roommates He got fired And they're not feeding him Can you make a couple that? Can we give him like A piece of sausage I'm Like fuck that up." Now I'm making 20 And yeah. 20 turned into 40 And 40 turned into 50 And then we started To crowd fund it Because uh, we didn't have Any government assistance At that time Um <coughs> so uh, we started doing close to 500 meals out of pocket every day. We started getting donations of beer and started donations of food. And then people were just writing us checks or Venmo Sink Money. So we were able to keep this program up. And Pretty soon we had a line down the block, six feet apart, of course. But we were trying to feed anybody. First it was service industry. And then I stopped caring. I said, I don't, I don't care. You need a meal, come get a meal. If you can afford it. Pay for a meal, yes. and then that will go back into the, into the family meal program and keep the lights off. I'm not making any money right now. In fact, I'm, I'm losing a little. But it's keeping the lights on. It's keeping my employees fed, and it's keeping all, all, everybody who needs food, food. And that's a horrible thing to say that in two, 2020, in the greatest country on earth, that we have people out there to this day with no food.
0: Yeah, and at this point, I feel like it's too late to, to react to COVID-19. I hope you would have already reacted whatever way you're going to react. But the lesson here is that when shit does hit the fan, it's going to hit the fan. Uh, when things stop, just because cash flow stops doesn't mean relationships stop. And re- business is all about those relationships. Cash is just a tool to help us manage relationships, right? So you got to keep those relationships going. you got to take care of these people because, yeah, you might be losing cash, but what you're gaining in that relationship and, and, and getting a, t- a tighter bond with your community, you can't put a price on that. And you're not doing it – you're doing it for the right reasons. You know? You're know, you not doing it because you're hoping that, to get a return. But when you take care of people, it always comes back somehow, some way. You don't know how to track it, but it will come back. You just have to have that faith that it comes back. Uh, and, and just I want to commend you for taking care of your community during that time. It's the best thing. It's the only thing we can do,
1: right? It's it's what I do. I, I cook food for people. You know, uh, I can't go – on the front lines of the medical industry. I'm, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. What what I can do is I, I have a giant I have a giant, craw, have a giant uh, crawfish pots and I have big wooden paddles and I can put big amounts of food out to people in, in mass. Mm. And I just felt a moral responsibility. I didn't need somebody from the government to tell me, hey, start cooking. I didn't need a deity. To tell me, I didn't need my mom to to, to guilt me. None none of that happened. Yeah, I we immediately just was like, you know what? I'm going to start cooking. People yep. are hungry.
0: So, are you going to change anything about your business going forward that will be a, be a permanent change because of COVID
1: nineteen? Um, on a small note, my my menu is smaller now. because yep. we condensed it down, and I'm kind of falling in love with it. Why? My 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 to be. Um, I'd rather have a restaurant that did one thing extremely well, then a restaurant had fifty things that are all just mediocre. Yes. And that uh, that has always kind of been my mantra. I'm like and so with this like my, I was just tacking on a couple like, oh I'll bring on this dish and so I just tacked it on. And I'm I don't think consi- consistency wasn't a problem, but now that I have lower staff, I want to have less things. So just just focus on these small amount of things. And the menu's still not small. Yeah. It's not a micro uh, menu, but it's smaller, and I'm, I may keep it for the rest of the time because it's actually like it's all of the best hits, and it's, all, it's what everybody loves. And I might bring back a couple of the other dishes, but honestly, the size of the menu is just easier to handle. Absolutely. And it's going to be easier to handle in mass, in mass quantities. I love it. So
0: anything we have not discussed up to this point, you are hoping to, we discussed, something that you're known for that we're, my listeners would just be losing out on if we didn't talk about it.
1: Everybody, every time someone asks me this during an interview process, I always go, there's probably something I should be saying right now. <laughs> but this is the scatterbrain part. Somebody, no. always, somebody always normally asks me a Top Chef question. You know, right now I am partnered partner with uh, Jose Andres' World Central Kitchen nice. to actually get some money for some of these plates. And these plates are going to the frontline workers and going to homeless shelters. And so partnered partner with Jose Andres is like, you know, one of my mentors. I, I met him one time on Top Chef, coincidentally. Uh, but he's, you know. He gonna you know, walk in his footsteps. Look, what is he doing? He's going out to Puerto Rico and feeding people after storms and whatnot, and he's going where uh, the bushfires and feeding people there. Like that's what we should be doing, mm. and that's that that's that that guy's doing it right. I want to do that.
0: Yeah, and that was that's one more nugget that we can pull from your story is that you just said that Jose Andres is your mentor. You met him one time. You don't need the way the world we live in such a fortunate place right now because we can literally tap into the minds of the most successful, driven you you name it people out there they they just put it out there you can listen to their books you can listen to their podcasts you can listen to the people that have interviewed them like you can get you can allow yourself to be so influenced you can get inspiration from anywhere so don't you know like get out there and just start paying attention to what other people are doing find your inspiration right right i love it um so one question i ask all my guests before we go to the speed round is uh our mission statement is to inspire empower transform the industry uh how have you transformed how can we learn from your transformation
1: uh i used to be tough as nails and now i'm tough as adamantium <laughs> uh you can't get me down and uh you know, I'm, I'm i'm a am a i'm a positivity guy i'm an optimist the glass is half full and it's half full of whiskey <laughs> uh you know and you get, you get to do it yourself don't wait for somebody somebody else not gonna tell you to get in line somebody's not gonna tell you to wake up in the morning you're gonna find that I'll quote Eminem you gotta find that shit within you yeah. and pull that shit out yeah. and so be a winner are you an optimist every
0: day do you ever have your days where you're just like fuck
1: oh, only a psychopath liar would say he's oh I'm positive all the time of course I have some. I had a down week last week yeah. and I, my wife had to slap me out of it because I hadn't got any days off so I got a day off and I spent some time wrestling my kids I know, I went out to eat and then got drunk and like Okay, and we're back into it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, no, yeah, of course this shit hits you, especially during now times. Yeah. And, you know, some, when money gets low or you have to shut down a restaurant or your kid gets sick or your wife's pissed off at you, yeah, you're going have these down times. But then you gotta, you got to shake that shit off. Absolutely. You know, shake it off. Awesome stuff. Chef, thank you so much. I've loved this conversation.
0: One more quick break. We'll be right back to bust a, a true speed round what's up Unstoppables. I'm using this time to create awareness about Restaurant's Unstoppable Network. What is Restaurant Unstoppable Network? Well, it's my attempt to bring together as many of my hand-selected past guests and my listeners, that's you guys, into one space to have conversation, to, to share knowledge, to reflect back on the resources and individuals and experts that have had the biggest influence on me and to reach out to them again and bring them back on the show to go deep into specific conversations and topics around opening restaurants and being unstoppable in the restaurant business. and You get to literally join the conversation. We have our first workshop going live next week. We recorded it today. It was awesome with Ari Weinswag of Zingerman's and we talked about the power of visioning and then we spent 15 to 20 minutes afterwards just conversating with Ari, asking Ari our questions. And if you're a part of the network, you get to literally ask your questions on the show to learn more, head over to restaurant, network.com. And when you create your profile, I will give you 30 minutes to an hour, whatever you need to orientate you to the platform to get an idea of who you are and to just start pointing you in the right direction. That's part of the deal. One hour with me plus access to our entire network. We're back, and the first question I have for you is: What is your "it" factor—a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Drive. Mm. What is your biggest
1: weakness? Ego.
0: Ooh. Get into that real quick. How, how are you overcoming your ego?
1: Ego is my favorite drug, and a little bit of it is fantastic. Make you confident. Doing a public speaking, going do some TV, do a radio. Yeah. Walk into the kitchen, super confident, ego's a little high, too much. And my wife makes comments like we would have to butter my ears, get my head through the door. <laughs> and then you get cocky and you're overconfident and you think you're like, better than other people. And you're one of these chefs that are like, oh, they're doing that over there. and You become one of these fucking snobs. And that's yep. one thing I hate is snobbery.
0: Yeah, I love it. There's a good balance there for sure. Yeah,
1: ego's a great drug, but...
0: What, what's one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team, when you're, when you're interviewing people?
1: Team player. I love it. I mean, what, keep going. Uh, I mean, I've taken several people off the street with zero culinary talent, zero Sounds familiar, n- n- none whatsoever, and turned them into badass cooks and badass. Chefs. But look at
0: yourself. I mean, you grew up with food, so you didn't yeah. have zero culinary experience. But you did have you didn't have any much professional no no professional line
1: thing. cooking experience. That that that's, that has to be learned. And so you know, I, I never look at. I almost never your resume means doesn't even worth the paper on it. Yeah, honestly, Higher. Come to the kitchen, work. Then I'll figure out yeah. real quick Real quick yeah. If you're going to work here
0: yeah. Hire for attitude Train for skill Yeah Something that comes I can tra- train you You get the attitude I can train you to Fucking lift a truck I love it uh, What is one of your Biggest challenges today Staying calm Staying calm How are you yeah. for Overcoming that challenge
1: uh, uh, Years and years of practice And learning when to Walk away from situation Learning when to let Somebody else take it over Learning to take a day off gotcha. Keeping calm If you can keep calm I mean uh, uh, Samurai is calm To the point of death because being upset when you get killed doesn't, does not really solve anything, is it? <laughs> no.
0: Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to act.
1: Uh, I quote Jesus, and I, I'm, not a, I'm not I'm not, a godly man, but I do unto to others as you would have done to yourself. I mean, I, I'm i not sure if he existed or not. Not sure either. That, but if he that, was, he but, had but, some great lessons there. But, but the the, 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 <laughs> word, the words ring true. I can't believe I just quoted Jesus. Um, <laughs> and I'm an atheist. Uh, <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, but I always bring back the previous conversation when I go to tell somebody they're doing something wrong or right or, or how do I want to be addressed that myself I, t- I turn it around yeah. I would want someone, someone to say calmly hey please do this like this instead of doing it like that that's it, yep. that's uh,
0: it. what's one uncommon standard of service you teach your team so is something that's common within the
1: four walls of your businesses not common throughout the industry the customer's not always right
0: Ooh, get into that. What, when aren't they right?
1: Uh, they're not right when they don't walk in here with a mask and they don't. And when they, they start treating one of my staff uh, rudely or inappropriately. I don't know why some people walk in a restaurant and automatically assume that their server is now their servant. Mm. And treating other people rudely in a restaurant or anywhere, honestly, what? how dare you? Yeah. In fact, get the fuck out. In fact, never come here again. Most beautiful word, words a customer can say to me is like, I'm never coming here again. I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank Christ. I love it. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? Oh, I haven't read a book since I, my, I opened my restaurant. <laughs> I used to read books all the time. Uh, you know, I'll say, I'll say what's 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 coming off the top of my head, and that's – I brought this – my, my favorite cookbooks of all time is Pied de Cochon. Okay. It just uh, written by Martin Picard and it follows his restaurant and what what he does. And he's a self admitted big fat French guy. Uh, and he does he does what he wants. And he treats his staff well, and he just tries to, tries to to live his life within and with his restaurant and with his crew and with his family. Not not at his restaurant or at his crew is like it's all one being.
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of like march to that beat of there is no such thing as work-life balance there's just balance just living intentionally in, in your life's work but when you do it right i mean it's just another way of saying like work-life balance but it's just like living intentionally and doing exactly what you want to do and knowing what you want and just getting
1: it you right know? so like um, the first the first week of being a father you're like oh yeah i'm living with children now and after the second week you're like i'm living <laughs> oh uh what is one thing you feel
0: tours don't do well enough or often enough
1: hmm I don't like to stick my nose in other people's businesses but I think a lot of people don't don't ask their employees or ask their good customers hey what can we do better
0: yeah I love it uh, some recommendations now what is one service you've outsourced or hired we already mentioned a couple you can repeat those here if you want
1: um, you know you get a certain amount. You can't handle all the, all the books and all the businesses. Get yourself a CPA. Mm-hmm. Get you. Make sure you have a lawyer on uh, on on tag because make sure a lawyer looks over every document you sign because people will ask for everything, and then nine times a of ten you don't have to give them anything.
0: Yeah. So part of the, the, the point of this question is how good people connect with good people, a mm-hmm. reference. So can you give us some names of the people you went to, the companies?
1: Yeah. Well, you, um, you know, I've, I've been a nice guy my entire life, and that helps out. And when you're a nice guy and you ask somebody for a, a hey, you know anybody in the blog industry? They're like, yes. Yeah. Or I know of, a, know of a person. I mean, I was just on the phone with, some, uh, with a friend of mine who knows a bunch of electricians. Uh, she's my realtor, in fact. My, my really good realtor friend Who got me both my houses Which are worth more than What I paid for them <laughs> Is also renting my properties Nice I, I have a, prop, a problem With electricity I, I call my friend Katie Katie And she knows all the electricians And knows the ones That aren't going to screw me And I was over here And she's like Don't screw Isaac So it's, it's that Keeping that little network yeah. I, I know Vicariously Tons of fucking people Give us a
0: name of a company that you would recommend to everybody right now that you're using.
1: Oh, crap. (laughs) Uh, Give me a a genre or something. I'm drawing a blank here, dude. Your Uh, publicist. Publicist, you know, um, uh, 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 Brussman and Carino. They they are my, my PR firm. Uh, and they are wonderful cheerleaders, and they don't take a whole lot of clients, and they really focus on what's going on. Even though, so they also have clients, I'm not going to name names, other clients in New Orleans. They make sure to differentiate so we all get an equal part of the share. Okay. Uh, their other clients are not Cajun and whatnot. So when the Cajun thing comes up, they call me. When the non-Cajun thing comes up, they call them. Got you. So they know how to divvy up the pie, and they really know how to really, really sell the, sell the head.
0: Throw your talent manager out there, too, because I feel like there might be a lot of people who are listening to us who are just naturally... Got charm or charisma, and maybe they're interested in, in leveraging that that outlet to to get their brand in front of more people. Who's your talent agent?
1: A talent agent. uh, it, it's, uh Hannah with a Creative Arts uh, Agency. I hope I said that acronym right. Uh, and uh, you know, they're wonderful. They make sure that they have my back. Again, they don't make money until I make money. I
0: think that's why it's important to you know recommend people yeah. like this.
1: Uh, and you know, you've ha- you've got to bring the personality, and it, it's it's all about you know. If you're entertaining That makes their job easier Yeah So not But I will I will like to say this Is like Just because you're a chef Doesn't mean you have to Get yourself on camera It's true well, I know plenty of chefs Who want nothing to it's do not with the line for everybody line line. It's not for everybody It's not designed for everybody Yeah um, And you know Make sure you're getting yourself Something that you want to do Got you Okay We're almost at the
0: end uh, A couple more questions What's one piece of technology You've recently updated That's had a huge impact On communication Efficiency Profitability Anything like that
1: Instagram, baby, Instagram. It's all about Instagram. Yeah. Uh, it really is about the Insta, and you know our social media uh, is is rising. And
0: forty one thousand followers or something. like that uh, 51 51,000 Sorry, uh, and <laughs> you
1: know that really does. I mean, you know, ten years ago this wouldn't be. You know, like, we pay for a commercial, or we got to get a radio program out there, or what, what. Now it's you know it's, it's not free but it's damn near free and people love that Insta so I pay a, a, photo- a personal photographer good money to come take food shots take shots of us and getting our, our brand out there on the building itself we got the big mural out there right now and you know when we do something for the community we make sure it's it's all highlighted you know you got to you got to be out there and you have to be out there consistently we post on social media every day.
0: Yeah. And um, I mean, you gave us some good nuggets there, like like outsourcing to do photography, take, take mm-hmm. not just the food, but of the people. I think that's a really big thing. People don't let the cameras into like the, the people, the lives behind the restaurant. What's another piece of advice like, specific around Instagram that has worked for you?
1: Uh, I mean, oh, specifically on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, get professional shots. Okay, people love that food porn, and we got to make sure it looks great. Is so. there like
0: a campaign you guys have done that has been successful or anything like along those lines?
1: Uh you know, I'm, I do a ton of charity. Okay, uh, and that's always good. It's always good to throw back to your community. What is that's, charity? Charity. Oh,
0: I thought you said charity. Sorry, charity.
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna write charity down.
0: It's not a bad That's idea good. That, right? That's good. I like that. That's mine, guys. Gotcha. I think uh, I know what charity is. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh,
1: especially the ones that give back to the community. I love to do edible schoolyard. It, it's what's teaching children how to grow their own vegetables and cook their own I like vegetables because I don't th- I think a lot of children growing up learn that. Yeah.
0: And I think there's a weird balance to find. There's a lot of people, and I don't know about you, man, but when I see it, and it's so obvious when you see it, where people are doing good for the sake of capturing doing good. How do you find the balance of of doing good for the sake of doing good, and just having the cameras there, but not the forefront, not capturing you what you would be doing, regardless of whether or not there is cameras there. How do you find that balance?
1: You could burn every camera right now, I'd still be doing the same thing, yeah. and uh, it's fine if you want to shoot it, but it's not necessary. I don't need to. Uh, I don't need to be known for like, oh yeah, I did all this charity work. That's. I mean, you guys came second. Uh, the cam the cameras come after I started uh, doing this work. I didn't. I don't do this for fame. I don't do this for fortune. De- definitely not for fortune. Definitely okay. not. But it's it's just this moral responsibility. It's like it's what you should do. Like I had to. Like I've got to go tell you to do to be yeah. nice to your neighbor. I got to tell you to help out your friend. Yeah. I, I gotta, if I got to tell you to pick up your friend from the dirt and scrape his knee, you got problems. Exactly. Um. Well, this is the
0: last question. It's a doozy, so uh, be ready for it. Uh, if you've got the news, you would be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants will be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you can leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? What would you want to be remembered by?
1: Hmm. It's a deep question, man. For, for your children, be there... Don't abuse them. One. That's one. That's that's the easy one. That's the easy. Parents can tell every parents like all you got to do is be there. All you got to do is be there. And don't beat them and don't abuse them. Yeah, really. Um. Let's see. For work, do do it, do it all. You do it one hundred percent, or don't do it at all. I love it. Two. Um. Find someone you love and love them more. Yes. And and, and just just constantly just pound that in and, and don't let it go. Three. Awesome
0: stuff, chef. Thank you so much. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. Who's somebody you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? Somebody that if you knew they were interviewed on the show and you wanted to hear their story and their advice, you'd be listening to that episode.
1: I'm trying to think somebody cool. I'm just going <laughs> to go with one of my friends. Uh, Kelly Fields Owens, Willa Jean and the CBD. And she's cool. Uh, she's a badass pastry chef. And got a long, wonderful story and you know, is going through trials and tribulations herself. And we became good friends. And her and my wife are great friends. And just just really one of those salt of the earth, good, fucking crazy kind of yes, nut job. my kind of people. Uh, yeah, just people. And, you know, uh, we're, 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 not, we're another just like little tight-knit community of chefs. And just respect the hell out of them. Yeah,
0: hit me with that name one more time. Kelly, Kelly Fields.
1: Kelly Fields. Jones Willa Jean. Gotcha. Thank you
0: so much. Uh, Kelly, look how we're coming after you. And what if we want to come join your team or, you know, maybe we have questions around, around some of the things you mentioned? What's the best way to, to follow you and connect?
1: Uh, hit me up. I'm Toops Metery on Team Toops on, on Instagram. I'm on the Facebooks. And uh, you can reach out. Better yet, Come to the meter and get some cracklings and a pork chop. There we go. Uh, and
0: I'm not sure what episode number this is going to be. Make sure you stick around for the closing thoughts. We'll drop that on you, but just head over to slash whatever that number is. You'll find a complete summary of today's discussion, as well as any tools, uh, links to tools, services, books recommended, and how to connect with Chef Tubes over there. Again, Chef, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, and your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable.
1: Make it mine. Cheers. Thank Anytime. you. Bye bye.
0: There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable chef Isaac Toops. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, really such a great conversation. And the big takeaway for me, what I loved about Isaac is this just mentality of being unapologetically himself and behind every great restaurant is a great person. And the, the, the secret to success, in my opinion, doesn't start by looking outwards and seeing what you can do to the world, but it looks, it starts with looking inward and asking what can I do with myself and how can I work on myself and how can I be self-aware and then use systems and processes to uh, uh, correct for my weaknesses using my network and the people that are nearest and dearest, to me to correct for my weaknesses and to bring people together to to exist to serve and just to be an overall great person. I love today's conversation. I also really love this idea of getting a talent manager in the restaurant industry. Uh, You don't have you don't have the time to be out there paying attention to opportunities and to say yes to you're too busy running your restaurant, putting your nose down, making a name for yourself, and you don't have to pay them until you get paid. I love that mentality. So if you think you're a personality and you think you're somebody who can get out, get out there and get some media and get some, um, you know, what's the word, media press, then get out there, get a talent agent and have them go to work for you. I think that's really interesting. Uh, I want to learn more about that. And before I let you guys go, I have to remind you to please come hang out with us at Restaurant Unstoppable Network. This is the future for me, guys. This is where I want to spend most of my time. This is where I want to connect with my listeners and my past guests and all the experts and authorities that I've had on the show to bring them to one spot. Going forward, I'm going to be very methodical, very intentional with the content that I'm putting out. I'm going to be asking myself questions like if I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow, what are the things I need to do? Who are the people I need to talk to? to you and who knows maybe i might even start making some moves to open my own restaurant, and maybe what I'll be doing is using the podcast to go to the people that you guys would need to be going to if you were doing the same thing, aka opening a restaurant. And the other cool part about this network is it's not just about me, it's you guys too. What are your challenges? Who would you like me to talk to? I'm paying attention. We're polling you guys. You're weighing in, and you're literally influencing the direction of the podcast. If you want to be a part of the conversation and hang out with a bunch of other people, facing the same challenges as you and getting the support from all these people come hang out restaurant unstoppable network.com. And when you sign up and create a profile, I'll give you at least a 30 minute conversation up to an hour, whatever you need to get you orientated to the platform and to help start pointing you in the right direction. One more time, restaurant unstoppable network.com. Peace out guys.